Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And a very good uh, Tuesday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. I've pages fallen all over the place on me here. A very good morning to you, John Paul, taking your calls at uh, 0818 103 103. Just on the weather, there are yellow warnings in place for most of the country today and tomorrow. Met Aaron are saying two wet and very windy days. Uh, and they're expecting that that will bring some flooding in some areas. Uh, Met Aaron forecaster saying the weather will deteriorate from this morning turning very windy and the wind coming from the southeast, and that's why this yellow wind and rain warning remains in place until three o'clock today for us here in Cork but it's for other parts of the country uh, as well and then a second system is going to hit shortly after the warnings expire at three o'clock today and a yellow wind and rain warning will then be put in place for the entire country. That warning comes into effect at 10 o'clock tonight and that will be in place until 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Met Aaron said expects that the winds will mostly be felt across southern, western and northwestern coastal counties but there will be storm force winds particularly off the west Cork, uh, the west coast and the system during tomorrow it, the concern there is that there could be very heavy rain tomorrow here in the south and it's possible that the rain warning could be upgraded. It's going to be a yellow rain warning at the moment but it could be upgraded to an orange rain warning and because we have two back to back wet and windy days that's where the real risk of localised flooding will a car so be uh, careful and if you don't need to go out and about and do anything over the next uh, two days I would suggest staying at at home. Today is of course International Women's Day the 8th of March so a happy International Women's Day to one and all and uh, I saw earlier somebody saying what, what, what is International Women's Day and what, what's it all about it, but you've got to go back to 1911 actually was when it was first observed but then 
the, it was the United Nations began celebrating it in 1975 and then in 1977 the United Nations Generally, General Assembly invited member states to proclaim March 8th as the UN Day for Women's Rights and World Peace and it's kind of really from then that it really has started to take off and every year for International Women's Day they take on a different theme and this year's theme is Gender Equality Today for a Sustainable Future for a Sustainable Tomorrow so it's very much about uh, climate change and what we as women can do with uh, climate change and very much thinking of the the women of Ukraine today and wondering do they even know it is the 8th of March because it is normally a big big day for women in a lot of the Eastern Bloc countries but I'm wondering do many of them even know what day of the week it is let alone what day of the month it is but our thoughts with the women of Ukraine and going through all of the papers today again full of photographs and the face and casualties of war certainly in all uh, of the the papers and a number of the papers uh, showing I think it's the front of the Irish Independent. There's a photograph of a very young widow throwing soil on the coffin of her husband who was killed in uh, combat and she's holding a little baby in her arms and you can see the little baby, you know, the snow on the ground but he's a little soother his mouth looking down into this hole where the, the, the widow is putting some of the earth on her husband's coffin and she's distraught but the little boy, a little boy or little girl, I don't know, doesn't know what's going on. He's a little babe uh, in arms. And then there's a photograph of a little boy who I actually heard about yesterday. This is an incredible story. Carrying a backpack, his passport and he had a phone number scribbled on his hand in Biro. It's a young boy who travelled almost a thousand kilometres to safety and he travelled on his own. He's an 11-year-old little boy and on his, on his mother's orders she said you have to get to the Slovakian border and she put him on a train. He was fleeing from their home which is in uh, Zapranici which is where the Europe's largest power plant. Remember that was hit last week or there was a fire there and there was real concern that if Zaporici, if that particular nuclear power plant blew up and well, it was certainly all the people living close by uh, would be just gone uh, straight away. So obviously this mother panicked for her 11 year old uh, son. So she put him onto a train um, and she is a widow. She was forced to stay behind because she's an elderly mother who wasn't able to travel and she needs to look after the mother. So she sent him off on this journey by train and she wrote on his hand the telephone number of a relative who was in Slovakia and said, that's where you're going. When you get to the Slovakian border, that's the number that you're going to need. And the boy now has obviously been hailed a a real little hero. He's been praised for his smile and his fearlessness and his determination. Because obviously when when they got to the border of Slovakia, people were saying, who are you with? And he was explaining that he was on his own and then showed this uh, telephone uh, number. And they actually took to Facebook and said that volunteers took care of him, made him warm, provided him with food and 
uh, drink and he has now been met by his relatives and then an online uh, video uh, the uh, from his mother she said I'm so grateful you've saved my child's life I'm a widow I can't leave my mother she can't be left on her own and she went on to thank the people of, of Slovakia and said people with big hearts live in your small country but it's just a gorgeous photograph of this little boy wearing an Adidas little jacket on him and he's got a little hat and his scarf around his neck and you can see where his hand is sticking out from under his little jacket he's got a warm drink in his hand you can see the telephone number of his relative you know and kind of can you ring this number please and get my boy to safety you could but can you imagine what a mother must be going through to do that to put her son her 11 year old son on a train just to get him to uh, safety it really doesn't bear thinking of and all of the papers today have stories to do with the Russian embassy yesterday. Now, w- welcome your thoughts on this. Barriers, it seems now, are being positioned in and around the Russian embassy in Dublin. And this is in direct response to the truck ramming incident yesterday. The security breach sparked an unprecedented diplomatic attack from the embassy, alleging that the Gardaí stood idly by as the truck reversed through the gates and they are demanding that the state the Irish state now takes steps to ensure the safety of embassy staff and their families. Security chiefs said that the ramming marked an escalation in the threat against the Russian embassy. The fact the embassy was breached has to be taken very seriously, says a very senior source. And according to the Irish Examiner, the barriers now are being uh, placed in and around the embassy to stop any instance like this from happening in the future. Now, if you you look at the front of the embassy, it has been splashed with a lot of paint and people writing signs uh, on it as well. well. And that's been going on for a number of days. Now, there was a sole Garda who was present at the time, but as far as I know, I think it was a band Garda. They don't call them band Gardas anymore. But the Garda was, I think she was parked in a car. So I don't think there was much she could do because I saw the video evidence of it. I saw the truck driver... It just looked like he was doing a Yui in the middle of the street and he was reversing in. There was nothing to indicate that he was going to go right through uh, the gates of it. And the driver of the truck, he's pictured in a lot of the papers today, he said he carried out his protest after seeing news of civilian deaths in Ukraine. Now, he was arrested after the uh, incident, but there was a video taken by eyewitnesses who videoed what what had happened, but then also videoed this man when he got out of his truck uh, explaining why he had done it. He was handing out copies of the picture of the family that I mentioned that was in the papers yesterday. This was the family that were killed in uh, Ukraine. And he said, I've done it for this lady here and her children who were killed in Irpin. He said, it really affected me. I've just done this to create a safe corridor for the Russian ambassador to leave Ireland, to go through Poland and then walk through uh, Europe. He said, in Ireland, we like uh, justice. And he now I know this morning the Tonishta has come out and condemned the attack uh, yesterday. Leo Varadkar said while the person behind it may have had strong feelings, it wasn't helpful at all. And it could be represented on Russian TV as Irish people being involved in violent acts against Russians. And we already know that the Russian ambassador, Yuri Filatov, has already given an interview on Russian television. 
and he was talking about the protests that were outside his embassy and that they'd become violent and that staff had to make reports to the Gardaí and he also during that interview during the week described Ireland as being at the forefront of anti-Russian measures in Europe and he went on to claim the Russian children were actually being bullied in Irish schools and there's absolutely no evidence by the way that that has actually happened so the fear factor now is that this video will be used it'll go up on Russian TV oh and look what's happening to the poor Russian staff at the embassy and there has been a huge call for the ambassador to be kicked out of the country now the government are saying we can't they're saying we need to keep diplomatic channels open and I do accept the argument that we have Irish people living in Russia and there could also come a time where the Russian embassy may be needed to get people out of Ukraine or to help in the Ukrainian situation so I can understand that but what I can't understand is the this ambassador Yuri Filatov a couple of weeks ago people were saying look he was lying to us the Irish people I mean when the fishermen went in he was you know at pains to point out that the Russians had that Vladimir Putin and the Russian army absolutely had no plans to invade Ukraine and this is when all the trucks were being lined up around the border he was saying it was just military exercises and there was absolutely no plans by Russia to invade an independent sovereign state, i.e. Ukraine. And then, of course, obviously they invaded and people said, well, was the Russian ambassador lying to us, the Irish people? And you could defend him at the time by saying, well, that was the line he was told. He was being told by the Kremlin, by Moscow, we're not going to invade Ukraine and maybe he wasn't in on the plan. So you could say, well, that's the reason that he put forward his arguments at the time. But what I can't understand from the Russian ambassador, he has access to all of our news channels. He's got access to RTE, to Virgin Media News, who both have people over in Ukraine. He's got access to all of the radio stations. He's got access to Sky, to BBC, to all of the social media channels that Russian people don't have. So he has to see what's happening. He has to see all of the reports because I watched a piece on YouTube yesterday where a somebody in Russia went in was in Russia and was filming people and they were showing them photographs that they'd taken from the internet and photographs that they got from TV stations of the atrocities that were happening in Ukraine and they were stopping Russian people and saying look this is what's happening in Ukraine this is what our country are doing in Ukraine and all of the Russian people, now there were mainly elderly people that they were stopping refused to believe it, said they were propaganda photographs and Putin would never do something like that, they were brothers and sisters, they were old photographs that's not true. They're false photographs. There was only one younger person, I think, who, who was, was believing and sort of said, if that's true, it should stop. I don't believe in war. But all of the rest of the older people were refusing to believe. Others didn't want to talk about it and certainly didn't want to talk about it when they realised that they were on camera. There was a fear factor. So you could say the Russian people that who, do, who don't have ac- access to free press, you could say, well, you know, many of them don't know what's going on in the Ukraine. But the same can't be said about our Russian ambassador, Yuri Filatov. He has to be able to see what is going on. And yet he's still trotting out the line that there, this isn't a war. 
this isn't an invasion, that it's just a military exercise. So that's the one thing I can't understand. But as I say, I do have an understanding as to why the government are slow to just kick him and the rest of the diplomats out of the country. But how do you feel about what this truck driver did yesterday in backing the truck through the gates? Was it a right move? Was it a wrong move? And actually, I found out a little bit more about that family who were killed in the photographs he was handing out. These were the the family that were trying to get out of I'm sure it was out of Mary Upo they were trying to get out of. They hadn't fled earlier because there was an elderly mother that they were trying to look after but I think they got other family members to look after the elderly mother so this mother decided to flee with her children. Obviously her husband was staying staying behind to fight for Ukraine so she was fleeing with her two children a seven-year-old and a 13-year-old and there was a male friend helping them and trying to get them to the train station or to a bus so that they could they could get out of Mariupol and it was at the time that the humanitarian corridor was meant to be put in place to allow people who wanted to get out of the city to get out and of course the shell they started shelling the people running for safety and this mother who was an IT expert was killed along with her two children and the man that was trying to help them and there was the photograph that was taken of all four of them lying uh, on the ground and there was some Ukrainian servicemen trying to help one the man seemingly was still alive but he died later but the mother and her two children uh, were killed uh, instantly and you could see their pet box either a cat or a dog was inside in the little pet box that they were fleeing with as well and it was just a very very disturbing uh, photograph and it was because of that photograph that this truck driver decided that enough is enough as he said in Ireland we like uh, justice was he right or was he wrong Dan and Mallow says hi Patricia I know of farmers in West Kerry who are growing the best potatoes the best carrots, the best onions and cabbage all organic and they're doing them in pretty large numbers and supermarkets bypass them and buy from France and England instead. It's a shame how we treat our own food producers. We're hacking our fishing fleet to bits for no good reason as we speak. We sold our sugar and fertiliser industry out about 20 years ago and God knows uh, we, we know now where, where, with the cost of fertiliser in particular anyway also we've just banned gas and oil exploration off our coast enough is enough our people uh, independently uh, yet uh, enough to supply our people independently yet we import both by the tanker full every day from Russia and elsewhere have we learned anything here in Ireland we need to stand up for ourselves we need to be independent in the provision of our resources to our people and that's from Dan in Mallow Dan in Mallow will be glad uh, to hear that isn't it today that the Minister for Agriculture is meeting with farmers and he's going to ask farmers to grow more grain and that's due to a potential supply shortage that's expected to happen later this year due to the war in uh, Ukraine Charlie McCongle said that Ireland we're a net importer of grain and Russia and the Ukraine remember Ukraine is the breadbasket of the, of Europe they make up 30% of the global e- exports so he said supply could be disrupted in the weeks and months ahead so he's holding a meeting with the farming organisation today where he's going to ask farmers to, to plant this uh, season and he'll work with farming organisations now to address the challenge so we'll wait to see what comes out of that meeting to uh, day because I know that the Irish Farmers Organisation said they've had no discussion with farmers yet uh, regarding this requirement to grow crops in uh, 2022 but seemingly we did it our farmers did it back in the Second World War they were all I think 10% of their land was 
was put to growing crops uh, so I don't know what they're going to ask of uh, farmers so farmers thoughts are very much welcomed on that and I'm sure Dan will be happy to hear that we will be growing more so we could provide more for our own people 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. Just on the gates being rammed in the Russian embassy yesterday, Maliki says, hi, Patricia, that that driver was right uh, to knock those uh, gates. I would have kept going until I reached the house. My heart also broke when I went. My heart also broke when I've seen some of those photographs. They really are really hard uh, to watch at uh, the moment, uh, for sure. Now, as we celebrate International Women's Day, one of the strongest, most determined, bravest woman I've ever had the pleasure to interview on this programme has got to be Katrina Toomey of Cork Penny Dinners. This week, actually today I believe it is, Katrina is extending her hand of kindness and she's embarking on a road trip to the Polish-Ukrainian border to deliver humanitarian aid to the refugees there. We couldn't let her go without wishing her all the best for her trip and uh, Katrina uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Katrina. Good morning. Oh, you're some woman, I'll tell you that. You really are. I suppose start by outlining the plan uh, for us, where you're going and what you're bringing. Okay, well, um, myself and uh, Chris and some of the lads from Cockmiss and Persons and Dan Kearns were all heading out today and we've Tony Gardner with us as well. He's guard up in Gronoborough and um, we're going to be leaving from Kennedy Key at two o'clock. We're going to head over by the City Hall so that our, our Lord Mayor can see what we're doing. And we're going to head off then down to Rosslare, where, board, where the boat is leaving tonight at nine. We'll be in Sherbrooke sometime tomorrow afternoon. It's 14 hours. And then we're driving straight through France into Belgium. And from Belgium, we're going to Germany, across Germany. And we're going into Poland. And we're meeting up with the Redemptorists in a place called Tuszew in Tarnoff in Poland. And then we take it from there with the Redemptorists. Um, um, what day are you expected in Poland? Friday. Oh God, it's a long trip, isn't it? It's a long trip. It'll be late Friday, I'd say, by the time we get there, yeah. Okay, and what are you bringing with you? Okay, we concentrated on medical aid. So we have first aid, medical aid, and we have hospital medical aid. So, which you know, differ because the first aid would be plasters, creams, you know, stuff. But we have good stuff for the, like the field hospitals and stuff. So we concentrated a lot on that. So we're taking that. We have five big vans full to the brim of stuff. And we have, um, we have stuff for the children. We have baby formula. We have food for children. We have clothes, very warm clothing for children, like thermals and stuff like that. And we have um, tents, sleeping bags, yoga mats, um, I think a lot of stuff like that. Now, our plan is when we take all this stuff out, when we unload it, we're going back into Little Aldi and we're going to fill all the vans with food and take them so it's a double drop, Patricia. Because you've got donations, assuming you've money. We have. Yeah, yeah. We have, yeah. And, and look, if we've enough to go back out and do another shop, I'm sure we'll do that as well. <laughs> 
uh, because I actually I heard um, a doctor in one of the field hospitals in Ukraine, you know, desperately saying the simple thing like bandages, people are bleeding out. And he said, we need bandages. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. even hear him say we need bandages. I know just... that, that that's something that you would never think of no, really here. No. Never. And the warm clothes are important because it's seemingly is it's freezing over there. It is, and we got a we got a call out for different medical aid, which we kind of answered. Then we got a call out from the redemptorist to say that power had been turned off and they were literally freezing. So we, we concentrated on getting good warm stuff to take out to them, and the sleeping bags, and we have beautiful blankets for babies, you know, yeah. newborns, and and so on. So um, you, you know, we, we we took good practical stuff that's of immediate need them out there and we have some food for us going out but we're going to shop for the rest of the food as I said because that makes more sense it does it absolutely does crying out for to I'm like we have burn gels and stuff you know yeah, all that stuff yeah things you're going to need in a war situation and also I think when you get there you can find out from the from the Redemptorist Fathers what's most needed and they'll be able to tell you Look, they were up for us yesterday. We're liaising with them the whole time and they've been absolutely outstanding. They're coming out to meet us. So we have all that planned. And look, if everything goes ship shape, I suppose, it'll be fine. And we don't expect any mishaps. So, and, and I think we'll make a very good impact on what we do because we're going to try and pave the way for others to go in our way, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and you know, I think when, when I heard what you were doing and I realised that you had the contacts set up, because God knows people have really good intentions, but I've heard of people yeah. who've arrived with a van load of stuff onto one of the border posts and, and they're saying, we don't need, you know, thank you, you're really kind, yeah. but what you have, we don't need at the moment. And yeah. whereas doing what you're doing, I think is much more practical. It is. It is. That's like we, we took exactly what we were asked to take with us and uh, we put all our efforts into that and I have to say that the, she looked, the people were brilliant. We were up in the North Cathedral. We had the, um, the church, you know, the visitor centre taken over which is a beautiful place. So we were working in great conditions and everybody just rode in and did mountains of work and got it done and it was just great to see the parishioners coming in and, um, you know, the donations that were flying in. So, like, things like, even when we were at the, the awards the other day, I was sitting next to Bishop Paul Colton, and I was telling him, you know, he was asking me all different questions, and I happened to mention that we were supposed to be going out on the Wednesday, tomorrow, with Stena Line at 500 euros per van. But for some reason, it got brought back to a Tuesday, so we have to leave today. And it went up to 790. And without hesitation, he said, I'll sponsor your van. And then he got on the group app and got on to his clergy friends. Now they've sponsored all the vans for Stenoline. So they're all paid for. And, you know, people have paid for our food on board the, the ship. And people have just, you know, just come on board and offered us so many different things. Like one of our guys was Polish, one of our volunteers, and he was a fireman in Poland. And he got on to say that if we're anywhere near his place, they can put us up in the, the fire station. <laughs> and stuff. So we have yeah. Lots, but, yeah. but you know only too well the generosity of people, Katrina. Ah, yeah. you know, I, I wouldn't have expected anything less than what we got because people just are phenomenal. And Chris O'Donovan of Missing Persons, Chris is, is in charge of all 
you know, the, the financial side of it for us to keep us all, you know, like one of our friends yesterday morning just kind of, I won't say blew up, but <laughs> probably did. <laughs> but within five minutes, um, Rob Cogan and um, John Kenny from Kenny Motors and Toyota in um, Carrigaline had a van up and ready, so there wasn't even a need for to, you know, we were going to call out for help, and we were sorted. what we do, and straight away it was absolutely sorted. So that's the generosity of people, and it was very funny because one guy came yesterday with a donation for Penny Dinners, and I said, is that for Ukraine, or Penny Dinners? And then he said, I've clothes here for Ukraine, because he has a company, yeah. and he had fantastic snow gear, awesome. Top of the range, absolutely brilliant. We said that'll be perfect. We'll take that with us and stuff. And then he said, um, Look, give that one to Penny Dinners. And he went to win and wrote another one for the Ukraine trip. People are great. Yeah. And what I love about this trip, Katrina, for you, you're very much walking in the steps of your late mother. I am, because my mum went to Bosnia and she must have went about 50, 60 times and she'd go out get what was needed, take out what was needed, you know, medicines, especially for the hospital and for the for the children, and she'd come back. Then when that would be, you know, when she'd unload that and do one or two days there, she'd come back, and herself and her friend Sandra would do it again, and they'd be back out. So there, there was times we didn't know whether they were at home or whether they were I know, they were I know. You know, oh God, the, so, apple, yeah. the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, does it? Oh, no. Uh, but you know, but, but yeah. I, I take it you're thinking of her very much. In well, uh, you know, I am. Somebody the other day said, like, your dad was in the army, but she sounds like James Bond. And I was thinking, <laughs> she does, yeah, all right. But I thought afterwards, no, nah, she's Indiana Jones. She, nah. <laughs> she was with us, so. <laughs> She'll be with you in spirit, I, I'll tell she you that. She will, and she look, and everybody's praying for us, and the amount of good wishes that we're getting from people, and, you you know, the offers of more transport and I think, you know, when we come back and when we're ready to go out again, which we're planning, I think we'll have a convoy as the length and breadth of the country. Really, <laughs> it'll, it'll reach from here to the Polish it airport. Will. I, but will. Katrina, are you frightened in any way? No, I'm cautious always and we've, you know, as I said, we've our people on the ground which are their intentions are absolutely outstanding and they'll keep us safe but we also have people in Poland that are in touch with us the whole time you know so they'll be meeting us and we will know what to avoid and where to stay away from and all yeah. of that so as it is now we have safe passage everywhere that of course all depends on the man himself in Russia but um, we have safe passage and you know we're going to err on the side of caution because we want to keep ourselves safe we miss our families. We want to come home to them. I'm sure they're all going to be, you know, glued to the televisions and to the, you know, their phones, watching, you know, to make sure we're safe and they're going to be worried. They will want to see us again. So I suppose that'll be hard for us to go and leave our loved ones today, know that it's finally here. But again, they know what we're doing. They, they know that this is what we do and they're kind of used to us. And we're, we're all heading out just under, you know, together we're focused and we're going there yeah and they know why you're doing it they know why you're doing it they do Uh, okay Um, and uh, have you a return trip booked home I'm sure Chris has to have a return trip booked home but you have no idea (laughs) I have no idea because you know we we trust this man you know completely I have no idea but I I did hear him mention we, we could go Cali, we could go UK and come back faster, we could do this, we could do that, but I'm sure he's done a lot. I, oh, you know, and if not, 
He'll do it en route, I'm sure. Yeah, you'll be back. You'll be back sometime soon. Sometime soon. <laughs> we'll we'll be back, and you know, like we, I was, I probably would have met you Friday night. I you would. I I was just saying you're going to miss the and, the Cork Pride Awards. And I'm gutted over that. I really am because I was looking forward to it, and like so honoured that Kenny Dinners are getting an award. And do you know, I rang Michael and I spoke to Michael, but he totally understands and he just wished us all the best and kind of did you know helped us to spread the word and stuff like you know and that means so much to us as well that he knows the reason I won't be there and um, you'll be we we will be with you in spirit every single minute of this trip uh, Katrina I know I know and I hope everyone has a great night down there and that they're all thinking of us where we will be we will be listen Godspeed c- keep Thank safe uh, we'll keep in contact uh, with you you're doing amazing work and we could not be more proud of you than we oh. are as you embark on this trip uh, Katrina you're fantastic keep safe thanks Patricia God thanks bless. to everyone God, God bless bye bye the wonderful wonderful Katrina uh, Toomey as she heads off to bring that humanitarian aid to the people of Ukraine what a woman 0818103103 John Paul taking your calls Court today on C103 With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group They don't just talk the talk They walk the walk CMIG.ie Yesterday members of the Oireachtas Help Committee paid a visit to the Onakara Mental Health Facility in East Cork as the local community continue to battle hard to keep the facility open One of the members of that committee was Green Party at all Deputy Nessa Horan, who uh, joins me on the uh, programme. Good morning to you, Nessa. Good morning. And, and you're welcome. Many local people, including your own Green Party councillor, Liam Quaid, uh, says there are many unanswered questions about the closure rationale. Having visited yesterday, is closure the right or the wrong decision, in your opinion? Closure is absolutely the wrong decision. Um, it's it's not in line with any policy. It's not in line with our sharing division policy. Um, it's not in line with a vision for change, which are the, the two kind of big mental health policies that we have in this country. Um, obviously, I, I know myself and Senator Francis Black went down, um, accompanied by some local TDs, such as um, Deputy Pat Buckley, um, David Staunton, Colin Burke. And, you know, we met with residents and the distress of of residents being moved and one man said to me you know this is my my home this is my homeland and i've always been in middleton and and I, you know he was so distressed so the the i suppose the the kind of emotional turmoil that this is putting people through is is kind of one piece of the the discussion i have to say i was kind of going down there with a view to the building as well because in 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 another life <laughs> i i actually worked on healthcare buildings that was my speciality yeah you were you were an architect well, I, I was actually a specialist consultant as well on, on, on healthcare buildings. And so you had, you had a good look at the building? I had a good look at the building. I didn't take any photos to do a survey now because okay. obviously um, I was there to meet residents and families. But I have to say what struck me about the site and the building itself is um, just, you know, it's, it's incredible site in terms of if you wanted, if you, if you asked me as like a, a professional in this, where's the best place to put high highly supported 24-hour homes for, for people who have who need the kind of services that are being provided in Middleton right now. That is the place. It is near to everything. There's a dentist, there's a doctor, there's super value at the back. The building itself is all on one level. 
Um, it's it's very well laid out. It's it's four wings with a garden in the centre, so you have access to you know fresh air. It's very much a family feel. Like I really got the sense of that from the staff. You know, it's it, um, one family member was telling me that during COVID they couldn't go in and out as much as they wanted, and one day they turned up and there was flowers outside the garden. You know, outside the area and. And they realised that, you know, the staff were were really taking care of them and it wasn't that they were just being cared for, but they were being loved. And there's a real family atmosphere in there. And it's uh, it's actually a model of excellence. It's a model of excellence, that site and that area. That's so so good to hear you say that because when this first broke, the one thing that we, when we spoke with family members of of the residents, you know, they all spoke about the residents being integrated into the local uh, community. And as you say, that gentleman you spoke to yesterday... It's his home. It's his home. There was one man said to me yesterday that he'd been out at a gig the night before. Yeah. Now, I can tell you that that is very unusual to get in that kind of highly supported um, facility. To be able to walk out into the community, you know, go down to the shop, go down to a gig, meet your... You, you know, a lot of the residents there have siblings who live in Middleton and they can call into them. It is exactly the kind of service that we're trying to work towards. And when you think that, like, the other option then is to have no bed like this, no service like this in the whole of East Cork, it is absolutely against all of the best practice and and the policy. And I have to say, just bring it back to the building aspect, because, you know, we are being told constantly, well, the building's not up to scratch. Um, You know, we don't have great building stock in healthcare in Ireland. We, we, We don't put the investment in that we should. But if you applied the same thinking to all of our building stock that we've applied to own a Curra, you'd, you'd be closing down every That's bed in the country. That's a good point. That is a good point. Did, you go, did you go to St. Stephen's Hospital in Glenmire and how did you feel about that? Well, look, I have to say I met some of the, the staff and the residents in St. Stephen's and the staff are incredible and they are working incredibly hard and you can also see the love in St. Stephen's. So I, I suppose I don't want to come on and, and, and say anything negative about St. Stephen's, but it's very, very obviously a campus um, it's very green and lush, but it's very far away. I, I'll be honest with you, I got lost going there because I'm not a Cork woman. I'm originally yeah. a Limerick woman and I'm living in Dublin, you know, a lot longer than I ever lived in Munster. Um, and I got lost going to St. Stephen's. Yeah. And it's it's a huge campus. And when I say I got lost, not only did I get lost on the way, but when I drove in the gate... You got lost inside. I got lost inside. Yeah, yeah. There's no shop. You know, there's, there's it's no... A very different, the it's a very different feel to having totally seen is. seen um, uh, Onakara. Was the new centre in Carrigaline spo- spoken about? This is the B&B that was purchased last year by the HSC and there's talks of that. Now, we met with the HSC in the afternoon. Um, we ta- talked about like where residents would be moved to. Very much the residents want to stay in Onakara, just, just to say that. And it's really important because we're moving towards rights-based healthcare and, and rights-based services and all of those residents want to stay in Onakura. But we did talk about where people might go and we did talk a little bit about Carrigaline. Um, obviously, um, in, in kind of collaboration with um, Councillor Liam Quaid, who's done incredible work here, um, you know, we, we have looked at the issue of, of Carrigaline and how that decision was made and, and certainly we'll be pursuing that to the Public Accounts Committee. Um, it, it does seem strange to have a centre of excellence, uh, you know, a, a very, very good example of integrated community service provision. For, to, to not invest in that and then to go, you know, 30 kilometres down the road and, and, and invest move people in somewhere property, they don't want to go. Yeah, and invest in a property there. OK, just so finally, Nessa, what do you now do with the information you've gathered from yesterday and your thoughts from yesterday? What now happens? 
Well, obviously, you know, the Health Committee and the Mental Health Committee have been working on this for a while, and I think that there is um, cross-party agreement that this it wasn't a good decision and that this is an example of exactly what we should be doing in the community. And, um, you know, after you've worked on something and for a few months and you've been trying lots of different avenues, you can kind of run out of, out of steam. But I have to say that the visit yesterday really fired us all up again. And, and I think there's a really renewed commitment now that to hold on to this service. It's an incredible service. The people are so happy there. The staff are happy and they're really right in the heart of their community. Well and I know it's a very valuable site, but it's valuable to those those people who are living there. Okay, well done. Listen, uh, we will take great hope from that and uh, we thank you for, for joining us and for coming down to Onakari yesterday as well, Nessa. It really is appreciated by local people. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. That is Green Party Deputy Nessa Horrigan on that visit yesterday from members of the Oireachtas Help Committee to Onakara. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed talking about love and spreading the love. So many people are wanting to wish Katrina Toomey all the very best and the team. What a wonderful woman, says Anne. How right you are. And lots of people just wanting to wish her a safe journey and God bless and Godspeed and hope she gets there safely and back home safely as well. And we're going to try and hook up with Katrina maybe later on in the week uh, to see how the trip is going. Fingers crossed mobile phone signal will be okay and all of that. Hi Patricia, it's so heartening to see and hear about aid leaving Ireland like what Katrina Toomey uh, from Cork Penny Dinners is doing uh, today. We have three trucks going or should I say gone from Bandon and another one being filled if all the t- towns were doing the same. Uh, it would mean a lot. It really is brilliant to uh, see. And then on the guy who backed the truck into the Russian embassy yesterday, a number of people on about that. Uh, somebody said he was definitely right what he did uh, yesterday. Can understand his frustration. Ross says, bravo to the guy who backed the truck into the Russian embassy. He should be given a medal. Sean says the truck driver was pretty right to do what he did. It's a pity Putin wasn't at the back of it and we could have taken Putin out. Russian ambassador should be booted out of this country, says somebody else. Mary and Domanway says, why are we constantly, now this surprises me, this, this comment, why are we constantly hearing about Ukraine? What about the Russians who are protesting against Putin? They are against what he is doing. They're under his rule for more than 20 years. We mustn't forget those people either who are protesting against the war in Russia. Well, I think we know the reason why we're hearing about Ukraine, Mary. People are dying in Ukraine because of the war. But I, I, I did only yesterday mention that there has been protests. We're not getting a lot of information about the protest for obvious reasons. It's been kept under wraps but I mentioned it yesterday. About 4,500 people over the weekend were arrested for protesting in Russia. So some ordinary decent Russian people are definitely trying to uh, stand up and we are certainly mentioning them. Trish, thank you for your call. Trish in Blackpool says that I can understand that guy yesterday and why he drove through the gates of the Russian embassy. I don't condone it because my fear is it's going to drive Putin's paranoia that the world is against him. And if it plays out on Russian TV, and believe me it will, it'll only create further divide. I would worry if this war escalates what the Russians would do to us, the Irish. Pat in from Oi says, of course that man broke the law, but morally he was right. Visually he was right uh, legally it might have been wrong but he was it was the correct thing to do and Jerry in Castle Treasure a lovely address in Douglas says I agree with what that truck driver did yesterday 
Uh, I, like what other callers have said, wish Putin had been be- behind it as he was reversing uh, in. We might have been able to take Putin out. OK, a number of people, thank you for your calls, a number of people have been on, obviously, about the rising cost of petrol and diesel. And we're getting reports in, including one earlier from Eddie in Maham to say he was driving to Black Rock this morning. And he says he saw diesel on sale €2.5.9 and petrol at €2.3.9 and I was in the office and I heard John Paul saying the diesel was higher than the petrol and he said yeah it was that's got to be a first isn't it but there was in Blackrock this morning both diesel and petrol gone over the two litre mark. I saw it yesterday at 199.9 but it seems a number of people now are starting to see it go over the two euro mark and I also mentioned that the Minister for Agriculture is meeting with the farmers today because he's going asking the farmers to grow more crops to try to address what is going to be a shortage going forward this year. Donal is on on that issue. Good morning to you Donal. How are you doing? You've got you've an, you've got an interesting one. You want the farmers and the Irish Congress of Trade Union to get together. I do, yeah. Is it why? I do because this is a small, tiny country, and instead of fighting with each other, come together. Now it is before my time when Ricard DC marched to Dublin. This is. Outside the M50, this is still an agricultural country. And the farming, the farming lobby can be powerful here. Also, the trade union lobby can be powerful here. And if you have both of those organizations coming together, it is essential they come together and help each other and help the population of this country because, you know, tis like this, we have a lot of refugees coming our direction. Thanks to Mr. Putin. You know? Yeah. And maybe Mr. Putin might follow them. We don't know. And what, and what, do, you, what do you want the Irish Congress of Great Trade Union and the farmers, if they get together, what do you want farm, them to farm, do? Farm a committee. And do what? And, you know, try and, you know try and do something with land because we have a lot of vacant land and try and help the people also in urban Ireland because the Irish Congress of Trade Unions is the representation of urban Ireland. The IFA is the representation of rural Ireland. And join forces and... and come together and try and sort out our little country, because I can tell you this much: there's no politician. There's no politician has the has the has the ability to do it. Okay, so the Irish Congress of Trade Union—they never uh, had the ability to do it, really. Like you know. Okay, so the Irish Congress Great Union and the farmers it will be a strong, strong lobby group. Okay, we'll leave it there, uh, Donald. Uh, thank you uh, for that. Okay, some of your texts coming in just on the price of. Oil and petrol, and I can see as soon as I mentioned somebody ringing us to say that diesel had gone over the two euro mark. I said I hadn't seen it, but somebody was saying they saw it in Black Rock. Uh, somebody said it was in Little Island earlier, and two two euro eight for diesel and for petrol. So they seem to have, they're they're matching, and there was always a difference. Diesel was always cheaper than petrol, but it seems to be a direct match. Heidi says home heating, oil, and fuel uh, for most 
Rushworth, I really think this government needs to do something. They need to do something quick. This is going to kill families who are hanging on by the skin of their teeth at the moment with all of the prices rising. For many people, they have to use their car to get to work. My call to the government society is please, please, please cut VAT and carbon tax. That certainly would help. And actually, I saw that excise duty on fuel could be reduced. Now, the article I was reading, it says if petrol and diesel prices continue to soar under, um, and it is going to continue to soar, but this is a new taxation policy being looked at by the government. Now, it seems the Department of Finance is considering the introduction of what's called a swing mechanism. Why do they have to put all words on this? Just reduce the VAT, would you? Anyway, that would see the rate of excise charged on fuel drop if costs increase further due to the Russian Russians' invasion on Ukraine, and it looks like it will. The government are expecting prices currently above €2 Euro per litre to continue to rise, and measures are now being developed to reduce fuel costs, and that's what everybody is calling for. And it's actually the Green Party leader, Eamon Ryan, made a submission to the Finance Minister asking him to examine if a financial mechanism could be deployed to link excise on fuel with the price of diesel and, and petrol. So the idea, I'm assuming that this swing mechanism would be as petrol and diesel on the world market goes up and the knock-on effect will pay more, as that goes up then the excise duty comes down. The Green Party believe the price of petrol will soon rise beyond prices which could be seen as deterrence to using fossil fuels and instead they say it will put an unfair financial burden on road users. Can I say to the Green Party... Many people, many road users and many people in rural areas who have to use their car are already saying that it is an unfair financial burden on people that have no other choice but need to use their cars every day. But the Green Party remains opposed to delaying plans to increase the green the carbon taxes in May. And of course, when the carbon taxes go on in May, that's going to increase the cost of petrol and uh, diesel. So what the Green Party are saying is they want the focus on any mineral oil taxes. They are the fuel excise, which accounts about 25% of the price of fuel. We know about 60% extra is goes in tax. 25% of this are what's called MOT, their motor oil taxes. So I'm assuming they're things like VAT, etc. So it does look like the government is certainly looking at it, but they need to be do, doing more than looking at it because I can see every single day we are hearing from people who say that they are really, really struggling when they go out to try to fill up their petrol. I saw one of the pieces on one of the news programmes, you know, they were kind of doing a vox pop where they were at a garage asking people who were filling up. And, you know, people were saying there was one woman was saying, I have to stop and think when I'm going to take my car out. You know, people are, there's very few people going out now for a leisurely Sunday afternoon drive. I imagine people are only using their cars if the journey is absolutely necessary. And of course, there's the worry as well that they're going to have to ration. I think I saw um, earlier there was a piece I saw uh, where the the if you're buying fuel for your house for home heating oil there is going to be limits placed on how much home heating oil that you can buy it's going to be capped and that's because demand is surging and they don't want to run out so that's going to be another issue certainly going forward 0818 103 103 uh, your lines are open you can text your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs With Munster Technological University enhance your career prospects with MTU's range of full-time part-time and professional courses. Succeeding together with mtu.ie. 
Charleville Plantar. They're acquiring mechanics for their growing fleet. Uh, call 087 32851111. Junior hairstylist wanted for Flair's hair salon in Mallow. Contact via Flair's Facebook Messenger or you can call Lisa on 087 951 Dumper driver and ground workers wanted for sites that's in Cork City. CVs to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. And an office assistant is wanted for the Bohabui area. Minimum of two years' experience is required. Please apply with your CV to esther at ingredientsolutions.net. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. And a couple of people, I can see the minute you mention fuel, uh, people all talking about it. So many people affected uh, by this. Uh, the way fuel is rising now, says one listener, you'll soon be getting a free car with every gallon of petrol you buy. They'll be doing offers uh, like that uh, somebody uh, Sean is saying when he when I he heard me say that Eamon Ryan as Minister for Transport is uh, still insisting the Green Party is still insisting that they won't uh, drop the or won't delay the carbon tax increase in May uh, Sean says he's just the wrong man for the uh, job people not happy uh, with him at uh, at all okay and lots of people pointing out the buying petrol and diesel and it's gone over the two euro mark and many people saying it seems to be the same price for petrol and diesel uh, which never was before but the diesel was always uh, cheaper. Okay I'll come back to that in a moment because with today being International Women's Day we've decided to do a feature on women's health and where better to go than menopause and perimenopause. Dr Lars Hoey joins me to discuss new research revealing that over 40% of women living in Ireland are exercising less while going through perimenopause and menopause itself and Dr Lars uh, joins me. Good morning to you Dr Lars. Good morning, how are you? I'm very well and and you're welcome to the programme. Now I know there's a slight delay on the phone but we'll get on okay hopefully. Now can you start firstly by explaining the difference between perimenopause and menopause? Yes, when uh, when you enter into menopause your estrogen levels have become uh, very low compared to before, up to 95% uh, reduction of uh, estrogen levels. Um, and that's a, a gradual process, of course. So the perimenopause is the years before then when uh, the production of estrogen in, in women's uh, bodies um, is gradually reduced. And did I read it, it can actually be up to 10 years before menopause that a woman could be in perimenopause? Yes, that's correct. It's a gradual transition um, from being in, in a fertile um, period of your life until uh, estrogen levels are gradually then removed, no reduced, and then you enter into menopause with much lower levels of um, estrogen. And are symptoms similar? Well, symptoms um, uh, for those who suffer uh, menopausal symptoms, uh, it gets uh, gradually worse with lower levels of estrogen. So it's a gradual transition there as well, where you start feeling maybe some symptoms during perimenopause, but they worsen then during uh, menopause. 
And I think many women would be surprised to hear that there, there are over 40 possible symptoms of menopause. Yes, it, it, it's um, estrogen is a hormone which really affects your whole um, organism, your whole body. Uh, and uh, there are so many symptoms. Uh, you know, the most known one is hot flushes um, and then night sweats. But there's also palpitations uh, from your heart. There, there's anxiety, there are depressions, um, uh, reduced sexual um, libido. There are many, many symptoms which can affect your, uh, your, uh, your well-being and quality of life negatively. And I'm also assuming it can be confused with other things that people might think, oh, I'm going through a very bad um, patch of depression and it's not depression at all. It's to do with going through the menopause. Yes, that's correct. Uh, But of course, this is known to um, both to the public, but also to healthcare professionals. So if if, it's a good idea if you experience, especially if you experience depression, uh, that you uh, consult uh, a healthcare professional, of course, to to um, you could guide you. You know whether this could be linked to uh, hormonal change, the hormonal changes, or whether it's caused by other causes. Do you think many women just ignore the symptoms and just kind of think this is something I have to just get on with? Yes, you know, it's not many years ago since. Uh, it was almost a taboo, uh, almost, almost a non, non-subject to talk about menopause. It was just something you went through. But I would say it's very positive that uh, during latest years it's been more acceptable to talk about these problems because they are real and something, uh, you know, that it's possible to do uh, something to alleviate or reduce these symptoms. Yeah, you so, don't you don't need to suffer in silence. No, that's correct, and and that's the the message. The the, the independent research uh, which was conducted in Ireland, in uh, where three hundred and one women were interviewed, it showed that more than forty percent of women, because of fatigue, uh, you know, reduced their physical activity and and their exercise, and and that's important news to bring forward as well because if you reduce your physical activity first of all you, you lose muscle mass which is the most metabolic active tissue in your body meaning burning more calories and that means again that you easily more easily uh, gain weight after weight loss no uh, gain weight after uh, if, if you reduce your physical activity and you also reduce reduce, you know, bone structure, which could lead to osteoporosis. So you get into a visual circle. Uh, and it was a big surprise to us that, you know, over 40% of women in Ireland reported, or those interviewed in Ireland reported that they, they conducted uh, much less physical activity and exercise. And has, it has to do, of course, with uh, lack of um, sleep, um, you know, which is one of the side effects uh, with menopause uh, and thereby fatigue during daytime. And then you, you simply don't have enough power to to do this um, exercise. And and uh, while it used to be muscle mass, uh, you build up fat mass, you gain weight and you have 
other problems. So it's really a vicious circle, uh, which mm-hmm. also is important to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know you're founder of Norvia Nutrition and, and you produce products here, here in, in Ireland. How important is it for women to look after their nutritional needs, particularly when they're going through either perimenopause or menopause? Well, it is very important because it's nutrition. It's, it's what you eat and, and also what you drink, which provides the nutrients, which should, uh, are the building stones for everything in your body, including your hormones um, and, and uh, your proteins and your bodily tissues and your neurotransmitters. So thereby nutrition is even more important, I would say, uh, once you enter into menopause. But your message very much to women is don't ignore symptoms thinking, I just have to put up with this. Seek help. Yes, that's that's the one message. And if if you are, you're, um, are so tired, you know, that you don't do any physical activity anymore, then seek help for that as well. As, as one, it's actually one of the symptoms uh, that you have lack of sleep and that... Uh, should be corrected if possible as well so so that you uh, don't end up in this very negative uh, spiral. Yeah, and everybody knows when you have a good night's sleep you can you can face anything and do anything uh, the following day. Okay, Dr. Yep. Lars, we leave it there. Thank you for that and uh, thanks uh, for joining us on the programme. That is Dr. Lars uh, Hoey uh, who is founder of Norvia Nutrition. 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, the public have been called on this month to raise some dough for the 19,000 people who require a brain injury every year in Ireland to discuss a campaign called Bake for Brain Injury. I'm joined by Jonathan Power, who's head of fundraising at a Brain Injury Ireland. Good morning to you, Jonathan. Good morning, Patricia. Hope you're well. I'm very well and you're very welcome to the programme. I suppose let's start firstly by you talking a little bit about your organisation and the work that you do at Acquired Brain Injury Ireland. No problem at all. So Acquired Brain Injury Ireland is Ireland's leading provider of community-based neurorehabilitation for people living with a brain injury. So what, what do we mean by, by, by that? So an acquired brain injury is an injury to the brain that has occurred after birth. So everybody in every community knows somebody who has had a brain injury. There, there's 19,000 people a year who acquire a brain injury in Ireland, and it's between 150 and 200,000 people living with a brain injury in Ireland uh, currently. So they're, they're, they're throughout every community, every town, every village. And... And ABI, so an acquired brain injury, it includes a traumatic and non-traumatic brain injuries. And they can be caused by road traffic accidents, strokes, falls, assaults, um, aneurysms, brain hemorrhages, concussions, tumours. There's an awful lot of ways to acquire brain injury. And they can be they can be mild, moderate or severe. And they can impair your mobility, your memory, your speech and language, sight social skills, planning, concentration, or a combination of any of these. So it's a, it's a really difficult thing to treat and to deal 
to deal with um, because every brain injury is different. So where acquired brain injury comes in is we work on the rehabilitation with people and we create a unique plan, uh, a unique rehabilitation plan for people for their recovery. Um, so we, depending on the severity of the brain injury, it could be we're, we're providing community and rehabilitation in their homes for people. It could be the brain injury could be quite severe. They may need residential support, so they may come and live in one of our services and get around the clock 24-7 care with the rehabilitation. So there's a lot of different ways of acquiring a brain injury, and then there's a lot of different ways of us uh Helping and yeah, as uh, as you say, no no two brain injuries are, are going to be the, be the same. But I'm thinking <clears throat> of somebody, Jonathan, who has an acquired brain injury f- because of an accident. You know, road traffic, uh, yep. traffic, etc. Life literally changes in the blink of an eye. Overnight, in a, in 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 a, in in a heartbeat, it 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 changes for everybody, and not just for that person, for their family, their friends, their colleagues. Because what happens after a brain injury is you you do change you can ch- you, you can change your personality can change you can become a very you, you may have been outgoing and very bubbly beforehand you may become more sullen and inward looking afterwards you may, you, you know there's you, you change overnight and then it's all the consequences for the people surrounding you as well um, from a rehabilitation point of view from from the life you would have had and then there's the financial challenges if you were the breadwinner in the house or uh, it just, just it changes everything for everybody. Yeah, the, the knock on for for the ripple effect out into, as you say, the family and indeed out into workplace and, and the community. And Jonathan, and, and go on, yeah. It's a hidden disability sometimes as well, Patricia. Yeah. Because you may not know somebody has a brain injury. They may, may be suffering terribly inside, but they have no. Uh, they may have no visual uh, disabilities. There may be no mobility issues. There may be be no scarring. Um, and that can be a, a real challenge in itself as well, Patricia, because people are trying, they're different, they're, they're struggling with their memory, they're struggling with numbers, but other people don't understand that because they can't see any disability. So that's the other challenge there as well. And young people with brain injuries inappropriately placed in nursing homes, I've read about that in the past. Is that still an ongoing issue in this country? That that still happens. That still happens. We're actually about to to release a report in relation to that. That does happen. And I've what we would would, would see is we would go in and we would try to to help people in those services and move them into our services where they'd be appropriately placed. Um, there's a couple of people that jump to my mind straight away that I know that were in um, old age, they're young in their in their twenties, thirties. A lot of life still to live, and they've been inappropriately placed into into residential care, into the wrong type of residential care. Um, so that has happened. Uh, you know, we're we're more aware of it now, Patricia. So mm. it's not to the degree that it was, um, but it, but it still does happen. Yeah, I remember that was a number of years ago. Hearing of, I uh, was a young man. He was only in his early twenties, and again, it was an acquired uh, brain injury, and uh, he ended up being placed in a nursing home. I think he was forty years. In, in a nursing home and he eventually passed away but I just remember thinking how inappropriate it was and it wasn't the nursing home's fault it wasn't nope. his family's fault they weren't able to provide the care that he needed but yeah but it's it's so it, it's something that definitely is needs to be worked on more we need more appropriate places I'm assuming 
it's absolutely it's absolutely true. Um, and and you know you know the the worst thing about being placed into into those homes is that there's no opportunities for the rehabilitation because you can go if if you get you 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 can. You can it's 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 the end of a part of your life, but you can start you can continue living if you get the appropriate uh, rehabilitation. And if you're put into insufficient uh, support, you're not going to get that uh, rehabilitation. Um, so it's 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 like the campaign that we'll be running is wasted lives. It is it is uh, it is it's a, it's a challenge. Um, it doesn't happen as frequently as it used to, Correct. but it still does happen. So, yeah. Okay. So, talk to me about what you're asking people to do during this the month of March. So, across the month of March, we're running our tenth year of our Bake for Brain Injury uh, event. So, effectively, effectively, what what we're looking to do is get people together um, to organise a baking event or a coffee morning to raise funds that would make a difference for brain injury survivors. But it's not just that we want we, uh, we want to raise funds. We want to, to build awareness around brain injury. Like I said, it's, it's in every parish, in every town, every community. You just don't realise it. You don't see it or you don't connect the dots. And this this opportunity, this event gives us the opportunity to really let people know uh, about brain injury and the challenges that people uh, have with brain injury. But the you know, the supports are there as well um, about it. So it does it does two things. We we, we we looked at the fundraise and we looked at build awareness around brain injury. Um, and it's very simple. We were just asking people to go online, abiireland.ie, register with us. We'll send out the, the pack. Uh, we'll send you out your pack. Um, and then just hold a, the, the physical or a virtual bake event during the month of March, wherever makes you comfortable. Um, and uh, ha- have family, friends, whether it's in, in your school or your workplace, um, and just raise the event and talk and be aware and build awareness of brain injury. Yeah, you can have a little bit of a bake-off uh, if you want to. And I know, I think, did I read somewhere, you've been doing this for the last 10 years? This is the 10th year yes. of it now, so it's been a great success for us. It? It's, been, it's been brilliant. And, and you know, uh, we laugh about it two years ago, um, the week it was launching was the week we had our first lockdown with, with COVID. Um, so if you remember on Patrick's Day, um, it was around the, the first lockdown. Yeah. So we laugh about it now. Um, so last year we, we, we moved everything to virtual um, and have people doing baked events over over Zoom. And, and did that uh, work? Did it work well for you? We were wondering how it was going to work, and it was our biggest year ever. Go cool. uh, isn't <laughs> so that brilliant? It went, isn't that it went brilliant? Great. So now this year, we're hoping that we can build on that, and we can have our, our uh, uh, more people running it from 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 their homes. Actually, having people over, um, and hoping that we can build on it really. Um, yeah, and, and, and from 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 what's happened, so it's really easy to register. You just go to uh, ABI Ireland. Ie. That's ABI Ireland. Ie, and it's it's simple. We'll get the packs out and. We just hope to get as many people as possible to involved. Okay, and what's great because because the virtual one was so successful last year, you can have both the virtual and the in-house ones, and people doing it in their own kitchens as well. Well, that's we, we've already had people registering, and that's what people are, are doing a combination. Some people are doing as running the are running them in their kitchens and inviting neighbours over, but having family members dial in on a call Brilliant. while they're there Brilliant. from from other parts of the country or around the world. So that's what's, what's really, really uh, what we're excited about this year is that there's a, a kind of a blending happening between the virtual and and and, and, the, and the, the the physical, um, which is which is great. 
Okay, and of course, uh, people got very good during lockdown at making banana bread and sourdough bread became the buzz thing. So here's a chance to show off the skills that you might have gained uh, during lockdown. If somebody wants to find out more about acquired brain injury or looking for support, can they contact you, Jonathan? Absolutely. So, so the best place to start, the best place always to start is our website. All our information is there. There's an abiireland.ie. And what I would say, just to add to that, Patricia, is a great point, um, is that you're not alone. There's support there for everybody. And often, this is one of the reasons we do this, these types of events, is to build that type of awareness, to let people know that support is there. Don't sit at home. Go onto our site, abiireland.ie, and, and, and contact us. Um, we have services in, in nearly every part of the country. Um, and don't, and don't, 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 don't be sitting there. If you have a family member, uh, if you have a, have a friend that you think could use support from the likes of us, get in touch with us. Well done, well done, um, yeah. Because it's only when you have like a tragic accident or there's a, somebody has an aneurysm or something goes wrong, it's only then that you become aware of support organisations. It's only when a tragic event happens that people then realise there are these wonderful support organisations out there. And that, that is it in, in a nutshell, Patricia. Nobody gives it a second thought until you require it. Yeah. And then you, when you require it, you really need it. And, but, but the problem is, you never think about it uh, from day to day. No. And you don't know when, when the incident happens, when, when a loved one has a, has a brain injury or you, 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 something happens, you don't know where to start yeah. because you've no experience of it. And even just by having the debate for brain injury, and these, if people are aware, it builds that awareness. So uh, people are aware of the support there. Well done. So well it done. Is, and I, I have I have dealt with people over the years, uh, Jonathan, who have needed their family members have needed to use uh, ABI Ireland, and everybody sings their praises of of how great you are. So continue good luck with the great work that you do, and good luck with your bake for brain injury for the month of March. And it was a real pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that. Pleasure is mine. Take care. Thanks a million. Bye bye, Jonathan bye Power bye. there, who is head of fundraising at Acquired Brain Injury Ireland. If you would like to get involved, abiireland.com. And that number, if there is someone you know that could get help from Acquired Brain Injury Ireland, it's a Dublin number 01280 4164. 280 4164. Ours, Jonathan, go on to their uh, website. They really are a terrific organisation. Okay. Some of your thoughts still getting in comments about the guy who backed into the Russian embassy yesterday. Elizabeth says, Patricia, regarding the man that backed into the gates of the Russian embassy, as much as I don't condone violence, I strongly believe he was right in what he did yesterday afternoon something needs to be done the Russian ambassador needs to be expelled from Ireland and that needs to happen immediately he not only lied to us the Irish people but he's now lying in Russia saying the Irish people are anti-Russian bearing in mind all of this is fueling the mind of a madman i.e. President Putin and at the end of the day Elizabeth makes a good point we like the Ukraine are not in NATO either. So we wouldn't have protection if something was to go wrong here. The government are saying it'll be tough on us for a while because of the invasion of Russia, because of the invasion on Ukraine. Well, Ukraine didn't create this, Russia did. So surely that's another reason to expel that man. I also understand the point of needing an embassy 
I also understand the point of needing an embassy in Russia, but let's call it for what it, what it is. Anyone who refuses to leave when they're told to do so. Oh, this is Irish people living in Russia. It's one of the reasons why they say we need to keep the embassy because we've got Irish people living in Russia. Elizabeth's point would be if we're going to expel the ambassador, then tell Irish people in Russia to get out of the country and get uh, home. Um, and also Elizabeth not happy with the three coalition leaders. They need to grow a pair and dump his Russian ass out of our land. Thank you and sorry for the long text, says Elizabeth. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Lots of people commenting on the rising price at the petrol pumps. Heidi says, Patricia, this Green Party as part of a coalition is a joke. We here in Ireland are being taken to the wall by them with all of the increases in carbon taxes. We don't have an alternative to fuel or energy power. That needs to be in place before the Green Party can start dictating terms and conditions. Just look at Germany. Theirs is a very big state and they want to go zero carbon. But they they get their gas from Russia. As I've said before, China is opening up more coal mines and we here in this country put out very little carbon when you compare us to the rest of the world. So really we need to start with, stop with this carbon zero issue now. We should also ask the oil companies to pump a few more barrels of oil until things improve worldwide. I'm sure that negotiations are certainly going on because I know the Americans are looking to sever all contacts with Russia for oil so they will be looking for other sources because they need to buy the oil uh, somewhere else. Just on home heating oil, Aidan says, Patricia, home heating oil, almost a euro a litre. 40 litres now will cost you 40 euro. That is absolutely crazy, says uh, Aidan. Hi, Patricia, the smart pump in for Moy. Two euro and nine point nine cent for both petrol and uh, diesel. I'd love to get an explanation on that as to why diesel is suddenly now the same price as uh, petrol. From yesterday morning to this morning in uh, West Cork, one own one ninety nine point nine for both petrol and diesel, and that's yeah, that is what it seems to be in so many places that it's the same. We're matching price for price. It is the same price for both petrol and for uh, diesel. And I know the rapid surge in the price of filling up the car beggars belief and raises the question of how it's happening so quickly at the pump. And that's a quote coming from Dermot Jewell, who we often spoke with on this programme from the Consumers Association. And he was commenting as petrol went to the two euro a litre mark at most petrol stations. And he, he says it should not be the case of history repeating itself where prices are very quick to rise. But then he says they're very slow to come back down again. And I think a lot of people will agree with him on that. And he was citing examples coming from an, from the uh, AA, from their survey, showing, for example, that at petrol pumps in Cork on over the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, you could buy petrol and diesel for around the 190 a litre mark. And suddenly today, Tuesday of this week, it's gone to two euro. He said overnight at some petrol stations, Dermot Jewell said petrol and diesel went up 15 to 18 cent uh, a litre. He said that obviously has an immediate impact on the household budget and it has an immediate income on households who have to use their car, who have to uh, travel. And of course, this is a problem while we're discussing it here in Ireland. This isn't just a problem for Ireland. It's been mirrored in countries, you know, right across 
across the world and certainly our near neighbours in the UK. They have seen record fuel uh, prices certainly since Russia started to invade the Ukraine and the price of oil soared to its highest level in 14 years as the US and Europe are now considering this ban on importing Russian crude oil. So obviously the others will say, oh, they're going to have to come to us for the oil. What do we do? We're going to push up the prices. Yesterday, briefly, Brent crude oil went to $139 a barrel. And that's the one that's most commonly uh, the the um, that's the highest it's been since uh, 2008. And we know it's the hundred dollars a barrel mark that makes everybody nervous. Oh, if it goes to a hundred dollars a barrel, and now suddenly we're talking about yesterday, 139 dollars a barrel. So it's affecting people worldwide as well. But a lot of people beginning to really, really feel it here. Actually, somebody made an interesting point when we're talking about putting petrol into your car. This is saying, what about community nurses? What about public health nurses? What about people who work as home helps? If they're working in a very rural area, some of them could be driving 50 kilometres per day just to go and see the clients that they're dealing with. And this listener says our mileage is a pittance. It's obviously somebody working in the sector. And for anyone that has to drive as part of their job, that's certainly are going to need help going forward. If as Dermot Jewell is saying, it's beggar, beggar's belief, prices are rising at very high rates. And we would, we would never have seen petrol or diesel increase almost overnight at between 15 and 18 cents a litre. I never certainly remember that ever happening uh, before. But Dermot is also correct from the Consumers Association. It goes up very quickly, but it's always very, very slow to come back, come back down. And there's an, it, it's still on the rise. We haven't even at, been at a stage where we can say, well, it'll peak now and it'll start to drop down again. OK, other thoughts just stay on energy costs. This is to do with electricity bills. Um, I wish to point out my observations as this texture on the electricity bill. My electricity bill is in €70.50. That was the actual electricity I used based on the unit rate. The balance of €65, guess what? Standing charge, PSO levy and VAT. Could the government not do something to reduce those uh, charges? But I think they did look at it. I think there's talks of the the PSO levy coming down slightly, but they did look at it and rather than tweak around with those taxes, what they decided to do instead is that €200 credit which we're all going to start receiving on our bills from next uh, April. Sheila on the Russian embassy. Trisha, just on a lighter note to your man robbing the embassy gates yesterday. What a great way to advertise your company. It would have cost a bomb for such worldwide publicity and he will have saved enough to pay his fine and to repair the lorry and everybody will remember the name of his company. Dermot Wisely, Ecclesiastical Supplies. (laughs) Yeah, but how many churches are buying their supplies? I wonder, is he the only ecclesiastical supply shop in the country? Somebody else is wondering, did he just work for that company or is the van his? I've no, I've absolutely no way of uh, of knowing that. On the IFA, who are meeting today, I don't know what time. Actually, we're going to have the IFA, I think John Paul says, uh, joining us tomorrow. This is the IFA, who today uh, are part of, I imagine, other farming organisations are in as well. The Minister for Agriculture has asked farmers to speak with him about growing more grain due to the potential supply shortage that's going to happen certainly later this year, because obviously there's no grain uh, been been sourced in the Ukraine and they we get a huge amount from Ukraine and from Russia. 30% of the global exports 
exports come out of Russia and Ukraine. So we are going to have a grain supply uh, issue. So Minister for Agriculture is meeting with the farmers to say we'll hopefully speak with the farmers as to how that went uh, yesterday. Hi Patricia, it's all cows for the past 14 years on tillage land. Now they want to go back to corn. It's the blind leading the blind. And somebody who obviously has an understanding of what it means to grow grain says, Patricia, unless you start ploughing down grass for the cattle, there's no land available for planting. Even if there was, there's no seed in this country for the additional growth that would be needed. But let's assume that we could get our hands on the seed. There's then a fertiliser issue. Fertiliser is made via gas and it's imported. So if we do it and grow the crops, we'll have to export it then for milling, as there's only one mill left in Ireland because we got out of all of the grain uh, production. And tell Dan, who wanted us to start producing our own oil and gas Oil and gas needs to stay in the ground. What we need to start doing, says this texture, we need more solar panels. Now, this texture says we also need public floggings for anyone who objects to wind uh, turbines. I don't quite know if you'll ever get that uh, quite into law and people have a right to object to wind turbines if they want that is uh, we live in a democracy thank God and people can can object but I do know the point you're making we do need to be looking I think what this has done we do need to be looking at alternative sources of power and I think uh, because of the stranglehold now that Russia could technically hold on the rest of the world this is something I think every country is going to seriously have to look at if we can get out of the back of this awful awful situation that the poor Ukrainians find themselves um, in I think we're then going to have to look at our energy going forward and what we can do about it and the alternative is the way to go and for us all to be each country to be producing enough power to power their own countries I mean we live in an island I still go back to why we don't have huge wind plants off the those big turbines off the Irish Sea where it's always windy I can't understand it. I can never, and I know it's, people say it's more expensive to build them off uh, shore, but get working on it. If we got working on it when we first started looking at wind power, how many of these big wind farms could we have out at sea so people wouldn't be objecting to them? And we certainly should be at least some way towards being energy sufficient in this country. 0818 103 103. Our lines are open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. There's a table quiz in aid of the Irish Cancer Society's Daffodil Day that's going to be held in Albert Spa in Mallow. It's on tonight at half past eight. Tables of four, 40 euro, please. The Mallow Community Health Project, they're collaborating with the Travellers of North Cork and Yana, the North Cork Domestic Violence Project, to celebrate International Women's Day. They're holding a movie night tonight, half past seven, Mercy Centre in Mallow, and they're showing a wonderful, wonderful movie, Mamma Mia. Tickets are five euro. They must be pre-booked, so you need to contact Margarito Driscoll on 022 71035 or Pauline at Lakela on 87 4335047. Community Development Association, they will open the Marion Hall today and on Thursday from 7 o'clock in the evening until half past 8 and again on Saturday between half past 2 and 4 and it's to facilitate the collection of items 
for the emergency Ukrainian appeal. They are looking for items such as blankets, sleeping bags and uh, toiletries. And a cake sale and raffle will take place in the Clonakilty Resource Centre in aid of the Irish Red Cross Ukrainian appeal that's happening this Thursday between 1 and 3. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. And some more your texts and comments coming in. Hi Patricia. I uh, hope this message finds you well. It does. Thank you very much. I just want to say that I hope and pray that this war in Ukraine will come to an end and soon. I feel bad for both the citizens of the Ukraine and the citizens of Russia. I was watching the news last night online and the Russian people are fleeing Russia because Putin is about to declare martial law in Russia because they're against the war like everybody else. I also saw Ukrainian parents bringing their 18-month-old child to a nearby hospital but unfortunately the child died. That's that picture that will haunt me forever. The dad running into the ER department cradling his baby and uh, they couldn't save him and the mother behind just shocking anyway I'm begging our world leaders says this West Cork listener I'm begging our world leaders please sit down and talk so no more people will have to die I also want to say to everybody involved in helping people who are fleeing the conflict well done I'm not siding with anyone like everyone I just want peace from a West Cork uh, listener and I don't think anybody's asking asking you to, to take sides but it's very hard not to be on the side of the Ukraine of the Ukrainians, they're, you know, an independent democratic st- state who were invaded by another country. And I accept the point you're making about the Russian people. And many Russian people are fleeing the country, but they're people with means. For a lot of the ordinary Russians, they can flee and they are fleeing because if martial law gets introduced, that means conscription uh, can uh, happen. I would just love if the Russian people could do what the Ukrainian people did in 2014 and have some kind of a a people's revolution. Now that takes a lot of guts, a lot of organising and it also takes a lot of people to be very brave and stand up and I think they've been so put down by the by the administration they've lived under. There are a lot of people in Russia who refuse, who are believing Putin and refuse to believe what's going on because they're not getting the information uh, in. But there are certainly no uh, winners in this. What we all want is an end to this war and you're right sooner so that little children and, and mums and dads and grannies and granddads we stop killing people it just it has to uh, end uh, thank you for your text Patricia during our fundraising this is from John during our meeting to organise our fundraiser for the Ukraine last night in Drum Tower of Parish Hall a suggestion that the community centres could be considered to give shelter for the terrorised people of Ukraine when all these refugees arrive in this country the facilities for example in our local community centre several showers toilets we have a large kitchen area lots of rooms that could be converted to bedrooms and also this heating there. These centres are close to schools. They're easily serviced by transport services locally. So perhaps this is something that might be considered. Uh, P.S. Could you mention our fundraiser on Sunday? It's a coffee morning to be held at 11am to 1pm March the 13th in conjunction with the Irish Red Cross. Donations of baking items uh, can be dropped in from 10. Kind regards. Thank you for that, John. That's when you should put forward that suggestion to the Irish Red Cross because the Irish Red Cross are the ones who are coordinating 
refugees when they arrive in this country. It's gone yesterday when I had my interview with uh, Charlie Lamson from the Red Cross. He was saying it was gone to 2,000 offers of people either having a bedroom that they could put up people or an empty house that they were willing uh, to give to refugees fleeing. And did I hear on the news with Barry that's gone to over 2,500 people. So maybe put that suggestion through that there are community or parish halls that maybe, maybe because if 100,000 people, we know we have a housing crisis, we're going to have to find somewhere for these people and God help them some of the conditions psychologically that they're going to arrive in they're going to need a lot of support uh, for sure and John also says Patricia would it be possible for all the St Patrick's Day parades the ones that are going to be held would it be a good idea to join in a march for peace and an end to all this madness in Ukraine the eyes of the world are on Ireland for St Patrick's Day it would get a great message out to the entire world not a bad idea thank you for that hi Patricia my heart goes out to all of those refugees that will be arriving in Ireland in the future. If the country is going to have the huge influx that's expected in the near future, I just wonder how handing out medical cards and offering accommodation will help. How will the government who are unable to cope with their own citizens be able to deliver these promises to the refugees? Well, the one thing that will happen when they arrive in this country, the EU or, or pro rata will be handing out resources and there will be money coming forward to help all of the different governments. It'll come out of some EU fund uh, to help because obviously there will be a cost involved but I keep saying when people say we can't house our own these are people fleeing war we have to we have to do our bit as all other European countries will as well and look at Poland not the richest country in Europe and the amount of people that the Polish the amount of refugees three quarters of all the refugees so far that have come over the border have been accommodated in Poland that's some ask of uh, one country I tell you and hi Patricia just a final one here please don't forget Vicky Phelan today when we're talking about International Women's Day and all of the other people all of the other women that are in the same position due to this vital check scandal uh, sending them all the best on International Women's uh, Day also I would have preferred a vital scandal be addressed instead of handing out free contraception for 17 to 25 year olds which was announced in the last budget I think the priorities of this government are uh, wrong and we are very much thinking of Vicky Phelan today and actually I'm thank you I'm glad you mentioned that because I, you reminded me to make sure that I would mention Vicky on the programme today I saw her Instagram message yesterday that she issued because anyone who follows Vicky regularly on Instagram or on Facebook or on Twitter will have known that probably for the last two weeks she's been very quiet and she hasn't been posting anything on her stories or giving updates and she's been so good to update people. She really has. She's been uh, incredible and yesterday she suddenly there was an Instagram post from her to explain why she's been so quiet bless her heart for the last two weeks she's been in hospice care and this is suffering complications from the radiotherapy treatment now she knew going into this treatment two weeks ago that this radiotherapy treatment was going to be really really severe on her poor little body Um, but she ended up having to go into hospice for palliative uh, treatment and she documented yesterday she said I hope that people understand unfortunately my condition has become very unpredictable and it's impacting more and more on my everyday uh, 
life. She said she spent the last two weeks in the Milford Care Centre in Limerick. She describes experiencing extreme pain and sickness and something that she says she's never experienced before. She said, I was warned that, uh, she said, I did warn people that I might go quiet once I started the radiotherapy, but nothing, she said, could have prepared me for what followed over the last two weeks. So she said, today I'm going home after spending the past fortnight in, and she put up a picture of the room she was in, in the Milford Care Centre recovering from complications from a radiotherapy treatment. She said, I've never been so sick or in so much pain as I have been over over the past fortnight. The radiotherapy increased the amount of pain I was in and also incapacitated me leaving unable to walk without assistance. She said she's regaining her footing but said she knows she may never return to her full strength again. She God love her. She said I'm only now in the past few days able to walk without either using a four-wheeler or a Zimmer frame. She said walking long distances is now completely beyond me but she said I hope to be back out there again. Now she finished her last session of radiotherapy last uh, Monday and she she knows that the doctors have told her it can take a couple of weeks for the effects uh, to be felt so she's hoping that she'll be moving around a little bit more freely in the next couple of uh, weeks but she's acutely aware that she may never regain what she had uh, before. And she's also then had to go on with great sadness, bless her heart, to confirm that she now knows she won't be able to join the former RT journalist, Charlie Burge. Remember, she was hoping to join him on the climb to Croke Patrick uh, next week, next month. She said it's, she's simply not going to be well enough, but she's contacted Charlie Burge, fully understood, understood uh, why. And, uh, you know, she said she'll be with him and everybody else who's doing the climb with uh, Charlie she'll be with them all in spirit and then she went on to thank all the supporters for all the good wishes throughout the, the her treatment and how she appreciates all of the support it was just heartbreaking to read it really really was heartbreaking to read and she has the nation uh, behind her because I know I, I sent a quick little post uh, to her and then I was reading down on some of the posts from, from the people if prayers and good wishes could make a person better Vicky Phelan would be completely cured she really would she's just the whole country holds her in their hearts, whatever. She's an incredible, an incredible uh, lady. So I'm glad. Thank you, as I say to that listener, for reminding me to mention Vicky Fielder on International Women's uh, Day because she's somebody that we should hail as probably one of the bravest women that ever walked on this island of Ireland. Uh, she really is terrific. 0818103103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862. 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Willie, who was on to us earlier because he lost the meal bin when he was atop the lid of a meal. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. He'll been for cattle, for feeding cattle. He lost it yesterday somewhere between Mitchestown and Kilbehany and he asked us to give a shout out. We did. Moss Keane was listening to the radio. He contacted us. We put him in contact with Willie and Willie has been back on to say he's got his lid back. So thank you to Moss for reacting to that so uh, quickly. And lots of people on talking about petrol and diesel uh, prices. It's gone well over two litre, two euro a litre. Somebody saying just spotted it in Balancholic for two euro and nine a litre. And then on home heating oil, somebody says, listen to this, 700 euros for 500 litres of home heating oil, which is about half, because as you see, isn't there about a thousand litres fills a tank? 700 euro. And someone else says, what about kerosene, which is home heating oil, Patricia? It was 94 cent a litre last week. Guess what it is this week? One forty-eight, and that's obviously why that listener has paid seven hundred for five hundred uh, litres. Yeah, getting very expensive indeed. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. Now let's turn our attention to Joe Heffernan, who joins us on this Friday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And uh, firstly, mm. you're, you just want to say a big shout out to thank people for your the CD sales are oh, going well. Sales. Yeah, yeah, they've been wonderful, wonderful. Um. Formino has um, held his um, uh, Patrick Street and Reardon's down at the courthouse, just to say that. But the sales are going great. For example, um, our local super value here in Boerby, I was over to Michael, the manager, the other day with the third lot of CDs. So they sold out there twice. Brilliant. And of course, a reminder yeah. to people, it's in aid of the air ambulance, the community, oh, air, community air ambulance. Every that's in penny a, of it. It's a yeah. really good cause. OK, yeah. today now we want to offer tips and advice to couples who might be struggling. And I think the one thing that we saw during the pandemic, it, 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 it could have, I don't know, did it have to do with people under stress and strain during the pandemic and under lockdowns mm. and people being on top of each other all of the time. You read recently that there's actually been an increase in the numbers of couples that are seeking counselling, which in itself is a good sign that somebody, a co- as couples see that they need a bit of help. Yes, indeed. It kind of speaks of a problem and a solution. And, um, yeah, there was a 10%. There was a a newspaper article um, I read recently, and um, uh, there was a 10% increase in couples seeking counselling in 2021. And, um, yeah, I think this sort of COVID lockdown and all the restrictions and all, I think it puts a strain on everyone. And... um, I suppose when there's a strain on people, small things, small little niggly things can become big things. And, um, you know, uh, I, if we had a penny for every time that I mentioned the word tetchy, um, we'd be rich because, um, uh, yeah, we've all been a little bit, I think anyway, at least I'd be forced to put my hand up of being um, just a little bit um, 
There we Touchy. go again. Touchy. Touchy. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So we're going to give some tips and uh, pointers talking about, you know, what can help in a relationship. Now, uh, we won't get to all of them today. So we'll, we'll do a second half. We'll do a follow up on this one uh, next uh, week. But uh, some of the things that we need to bear in mind in our relationship, like the first one is let go of past mistakes. Now, talk to me about why that's important. Sometimes when there's an issue to be uh, resolved, um, uh, it's great if the issue to be resolved is the subject of the conversation without bringing up, and I remember when, and I remember when, because bringing up old stuff, um, you know, we need to let go, we need to move on, so that if there is a little... um, call it whatever we like, a little argument or whatever, um, in uh, March of 2022, it's, it doesn't help to say, and I remember back at Christmas time, you said, or whatever, to let it go. If it's, if it's past, leave it in the past. Because sometimes when there's an issue with a couple, all the old issues are again um, given an outing, and and it it doesn't help. It's not good. Like the, if deal with today's problem today, and um, uh, and and that will work an awful lot better. Yeah, leave the past in the past. Yeah. Now, the other one is don't compare. Yeah, um, a lot of people would be into kind of like that other couple. Um, Look at the way that they do things, and oh, yeah. they they go here and they go there, and uh, so um, comparing like isn't really really good. Um, uh, for all we know, the the marvelous couple that we're comparing with um, and putting our own relationship maybe a bit down. For all we know, they they mightn't be the happiest couple on the planet either. I mean, the only couple that we've to deal with is our own one. So not comparing, and especially not comparing uh, with past um, uh, boyfriends or girlfriends. Um, really bad know. move, really bad uh, move. It's not, yeah, it's and not I think with all. social media today and people so living their lives on Facebook and on Instagram, it can give a very unnatural and unreal reality. You know, you'd look at oh, look at them, they're always, look at look at their house, look at this, look at their, look what he did for her. And you'd never know what's actually going on behind the facade of that photograph. Absolutely. And of course, people always present um, a wonderful <laughs> image. Um, to tell you the truth, um, uh, it, it often is a bit inconvenient for me, but I'm not on Facebook and I'm not on any of the social media at all, which I suppose is kind of a little bit weird in today's world. But you're right, you know, I'm, uh, I, you know uh, I, I'll get on OK today without it anyway, you know. OK, yeah. you've got practice, give and take. This is within, 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 a, within couples. Absolutely. I mean, both partners need to put in um, uh, an effort. Um, I suppose it's um, to have balance, um, give and take. Um, And if one person does all the taking, uh, that will lead to to problems. And um, the person doing all the giving will also become eventually uh, quite uh, resentful. 
Um, at the moment, no, I, I'm uh, I, I'm I'm on duty for. Um, I, I didn't break the cooker again. Um, it's okay. We well got done. new glass put in, but um, yeah. Um, uh, when a person is ill, um, well then it's a golden opportunity to kind of to do the right thing and to to be helpful. Do you know? Although we we had a we had a, a bad bad old experience now this morning, Mary had an appointment with the doctor, and when we turned to go out our little road, bang, huge tree down, couldn't get out. If we needed an ambulance, couldn't get in, and um, you know, um, I'm I'm hearing now. Um, uh, uh, a, a, a very helpful gal to give me a ring that um, that uh, the the road is now cleared. But um, yeah, I mean, we, they, there is a there is a yellow uh, weather warning in place for for wind and rain. I saw obviously the you know it was I came to work this morning. It was very windy, so it's obviously strong enough that it's taking trees down. See, a lot of uh, those trees. Some have of been, these trees are they're they're falling on. Yeah, place. and they've um, been damaged from previous. Yeah, they've been damaged from previous storms as well. So you do, so you do need to be, you do need to be careful. Okay, yeah. to know the importance of time alone. Well, I think that's very important. Um, you hear about some people who are, you, you know, people say it in a very praising kind of a way that they're joined at the hip. Um, you never see one without the other. But I'd be saying like that might not necessarily be a good thing. That, um, you know, everyone needs a bit of space and, and a bit of maybe, um, uh, you know, having outside interests, um uh, and maybe both people having different outside interests. And um, uh, I, I, I remember um, reading an extremely good quote about that. Um, I, I can't bring it to mind this very moment. I'll, I'll have it next week. Um, so spending too much time together can lead to a feeling of, you know, um, what would the word be? Kind of like suffocation. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I know we're not talking about abusive relationships here, but uh, some you you do hear of that that people who were all you know she was always with him or he was always with her, and if it, it was a course of control relationship, I'm thinking of one I just can't remember the couple's name where he ended up uh, murdering the wife and the children and then uh, committed suicide himself, and he afterwards the family were talking about how controlling he was and one of the things they noticed was was you never saw her on her own he was always there so you've got to be aware of that as well it can be a sign of a controlling relationship it can but I mean in a much more innocent way it can be that um, you know there's a kind of an interdependency that can become a little bit OTT yeah it's not good for um, a relationship is what you're saying yeah. Yeah. so it mightn't mean that there's anything sinister but what it can mean is that, um, you know, a person might feel that, Mother God, they never have an hour to themselves, you know? Yeah. yeah. Now, the, I suppose one of the top ones, if you're talking about what you know, what's good for a relationship, is communication. Oh, big time. I would have spoken with, I don't know how many couples down through the years, and um, uh, when we kind of have spoken uh, all together for a long time, and... Um, someone would or I would put the question what what would you say is the main problem and I would say 90% of the time and I know that's very high but 90% of the time people would say 
lack of communication. Yeah, mm. um, it comes up all the time. Um, and what does communication mean? Well, it means like that if there's an issue that um, it can be worked out if you can communicate with one another about like, um, uh, you know, this is troubling me or being able to talk openly and, and knowing that the other person will hear you, will pay attention and and not to be either ignored or dismissed. You know, we often hear about to- toxic positivity and uh, like toxic positivity uh, can be very, it, it can be an awful put down. Like if a person is sharing how they're very worried about something um, and that, um, you know, that they're maybe not sleeping great and that they're worried about it. And if the other person says, um, uh, yeah, it'll be fine. Um, that's like, uh, that's not great. Um, whereas if the other person said like, and, um, you know, is there anything that I can help with? Is there uh, anything that I could do that might make things a bit better? I mean, that's communicating. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And the, 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 sometimes the passive aggressive, is everything okay? I'm fine. Is everything okay? Oh, yeah. No. And instead of, and, and inside the person is boiling with anger over something that's happened or something that's been said or something that wasn't done, that's mm. where the good communication comes in. It's openly it saying, well, I'm not fine the... because you didn't do or you did, whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and that's where the I statements come in that I talk about quite a lot. That if you start with, I was upset when, yeah. or I was very uncomfortable when. Well, when you start with with I, you're kind of on fairly safe ground. Whereas the moment you start with you... Yeah, which I just probably, did there. Huh? <laughs> I just did there in my example, saying you did. Yeah, instead of saying, yeah, I was upset because this happened. Yeah, yeah. okay, keep yeah. the eye statements. Um, another good attribute of a good relationship, they're straightforward. And that's, yeah. that's going back to that communication again, isn't it? It does, it does. I, I, I suppose a lot of them, by the time next week now, when we get through all of them, I, I think we, we have 20 points to get through. That um, uh, it, it, A lot of them come back to communication. In other words, that people, uh, that they, uh, you know, are authentic and, and they live with integrity and, and, and speak up about uh, problems um, instead of, um, uh, you know, as you said there a couple of seconds ago, instead of engaging in kind of passive-aggressive behaviour or withdrawing affection, you know, um, uh, it's kind of, the picture's no sound thing, and, and it's kind of like, uh, from my facial expression and attitude, you know that I'm angry, mm. but I'm not telling you yeah. what it is exactly. But you can openly. read it in the body language instead of being straightforward yeah. and good communication, which is the next one as well. They're tuned in. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and if a person knows the signs, you're you're spot on that that people know the kind of the, the as you said, the body language. Yeah. Um and maybe to say, you know, how are things? Um uh, uh maybe chance saying like you don't seem in the best of all form today. Is there anything that I can do that might um that might help things? Would you go um, so far as to say is there anything I have done that perhaps has upset you? 
Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Without a doubt. Because again, it's an I statement. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, and that the other person would understand clearly that you're solution focused and that like what you're trying to do is solve a problem, not have a go at the other person. Yeah. Because motivation is vitally important. I mean, if I'm opening up a discussion so as to have a go at the other person, well, that ain't going anywhere good. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if it's like we have a problem, we can fix it. You're off to a bad start straight away. Mike in Bantry, one of our listeners, uh, really enjoying listening to Joe. I think he has great insight. He does indeed. We leave it there. We'll come back to this again next week, Joe. In the meantime, have a lovely uh, week and continued uh, good health and recuperation to Mary. And thank you for joining us on the programme this morning. Indeed. And well done on collecting the money for Ukraine. Thank you very much. And well done oh, to yeah. you. I know you don't as well we're over 30,000 now which wow. is fantastic from all the wireless Good. groups it's brilliant alright we leave it there thanks Joe yeah, uh, have a lovely week that is Joe Heffernan and Boher Bui his number is 086 that's where I leave you for today thanks to John Paul McNamara who produced Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 onto the night Patricia message a very good afternoon stay dry and keep in from the wind Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice? you know who to talk to see mig.ie Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.